The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. Welcome to another program with Truths to Live By, a ministry of Harriman Baptist Tabernacle in Harriman, Tennessee. You're listening to Brother Benjamin Cooley. I pray we would be a blessing to you today. saved us from our sins, our lives are now in God. We desire the Holy Word to order where we trod. All for Christ, yet anything for self we count as dross. We're pilgrims with a crown With our Bibles open today to the book of John chapter 1, we'll briefly finish up our look at Christ as the sovereign creator and move on to Christ, our Savior. First a word of prayer, and then John chapter 1, verse number 4. Father, we love you today because you first loved us. And I come now in Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake, asking for the grace of God to enable me to preach and be a blessing to all who listen and tune in today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Christ, the dear Son of God. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. John 1 verse 4, speaking of Christ, the word, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. So we're looking at Christ and creation. We see him to be the sovereign, pre-existent, yea, self-existent, before the world ever began. We went from that to see the power of the word. He wields or uses with full command the power of creation. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. Therefore, all men, all creatures, are under his rule and within his reach, and we should be aware of his reality. In a coming day, every knee shall bow before him, and every tongue shall confess that he is 
Lord. That is the issue. And that is where repentance comes in in the life of the sinner and why so many are unsaved and they reject Christ and they refuse to repent because they will not confess him to be Lord. He is Jesus, our Lord. But today I want you to consider that he wields the power of comprehension. Verse 4, in him was life, but notice, and the life of Christ was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. In the word, then, is life, and his life is the light of men. Mankind has not only life because of Christ, but also light. Adam and Eve, in the beginning, in the garden, there in the first few chapters of Genesis, they were created in innocence. And no doubt, I believe they were clothed in the glorious light of what we call the Shekinah glory of God. Adam was created in the image of God as an intelligent being with the powers of reason and understanding and with the need for fellowship, companionship, as a tri-unity in his being of body and soul and spirit. And therefore man was created with a unique light within his soul For in Adam's creation, God personally handled him and then breathed into him the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And this life was the light of men. And God then made man to both communicate and comprehend like nothing else he had ever created upon the earth. In other words, His life was the light of men, and we as men stand above the animals in that kingdom and the plant kingdom in that we have the capacity to know and to love God. It was only for Adam and Eve to walk in the cool of the day and commune with the Lord. This is not only life, but this is light. The life which included light was something God did not give to the plants and animals, not to the stars and planets, not to the sun and the moon, but to men and men alone. We are the recipients of God's light. But then there's the rejection of this light. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. In the fall of man in the garden of Eden, a great darkness fell across man's soul. And we were all plunged into a degenerate state, a state described in Ephesians four seventeen through 19 as being blindness of heart and darkness of mind. And throughout the ages of man's history upon this earth, this darkness, this rejection of light is very apparent. Man corrupts everything he touches. Apart from God, man's dark in his mind and depraved in his heart. There is no spark of divinity within the soul of man. We are all born in the image of fallen Adam. 
and we stand in desperate need today of God's light and redemption. This word comprehended here means to to take eagerly, that is, to seize or to possess. And therefore, the darkness of this world does not receive, doesn't want the light of Christ. Men who are in darkness spiritually will naturally turn back to that darkness when exposed to the light. Why? Because the light exposed their evil deeds. John 3, 19 and 20. Herein lies the condemnation of all men. Men love darkness and loathe righteousness. Why? Because their deeds are evil. Light always reveals what darkness conceals. And men run away from the light to hide their evil, wicked, and sinful ways. Christ is the true light. He lights every man that comes into the world. And when he came the first time, they did not accept the light made available to them. John 1, 6-11 They sought to put out his light by rejecting the truth that he was and the truth that he taught, nailed him to the cross, and put him to death. However, thank God there were some then and there's some now who respond to the light that shines in the darkness. And these are those whom the life, that is, the word of life, gives light and he gives them power or the right and authority, even the privilege to become the sons of God. John Butler writes, being the life and light of men, Christ is therefore the very things which men need the most. We are truly dependent upon Christ. But then we come to verse 6 and we see Christ the Savior. He who is the sovereign creator is also the sole or single savior of mankind. And here are riches indeed that Christ would step into his creation to seek and to save that which was lost. John the Beloved now introduces us to John the Baptist. And he is that last man in the line of Old Testament prophets. We have the witness of John and the witness of Jesus before us here in the passage of John 1, verses 6 through 13. First, the witness of John, verses 6 through 8. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. John came as God's messenger and as the forerunner to Christ. According to Matthew 3.3, Mark 1.3, Luke 3.4, we should look to Isaiah and read there about John. And that's Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 through 4. Also from Mark, we would learn that we should look to Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. According to the prophets of old, then he was nothing more, nothing less than the voice and the messenger coming before the Lord. And John himself echoed these words, and John the Beloved recorded these words. Chapter 1, verse 23, he said, this is John the Baptist, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. Yes, John came as a witness. His commission, there was a man sent from God. This meant that his authority and message originated with God. He trumpeted forth the message from heaven. His call, commission, and communication were all divine. 
He stood as a prophet representing God before men. He was sent from God to prepare the way and preach the message of repentance and of the kingdom of heaven and of Jesus Christ. He was sent or set apart and sent out, first sent to the desert, hid there with God, and then he was sent to the nation of Israel to prepare them for the ministry of Jesus. And he stands as a bridge between the Old and New Testament economies. But his call, the same came for a witness in verse 7. His commission and his call and his purpose was to what? To be a witness. He was on earth for no other reason than to herald forth the record of God's coming Messiah. He would trumpet it. He would thunder it. He would tell it until the people knew that the Messiah was coming very soon. And he was also going to be a martyr. He would be this kind of witness for his Lord. But then his cause, his cause was to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. And so John's cause is every preacher's cause. It is to make Christ known that all who heard him or who hear us might believe on the name of God's Son and embrace the Lamb of God. John confessed that he was not the Messiah, but was sent to point him out to the nation of Israel. John's desire then was to gradually decrease, pass off into obscurity, that Christ might increase and take center stage in God's divine plan and program for the ages as redemption unfolds before us. We thank you for making this ministry a part of your day. And in closing, we want to point you to the words of our Lord in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. He answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And truly, it is written. God's word, every word, presents us with truths to live by. You've been listening to Brother Benjamin Cooley. Please send all correspondence to Truths to Live By, P.O. Box 575, Harriman, Tennessee, 37748. Or you can email us at bmarkcooley at gmail.com. And finally, brethren, pray for us.